This is a second front podcast presentation. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Above the Bar podcast, where each week we belly up to the bar with a new guest, find out what they do, who they are, and what makes them great. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Alrighty, folks, welcome back to the Above the Bar podcast. It's your host, Sean. We have bellied up today. It's Valentine's Day. There's love in the air. And if you're single, there's happiness in the air, maybe for you, unless you've you're swiping right a lot today. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what people do when they're single nowadays. If you just swipe right to everything on a Valentine's Day. But if you're on a base somewhere, there's always somebody else single. And just like that, I'm gonna introduce another Marine because that's what I do. Just before it's all over with, I'm going to start my own battalion of Marines that are just popping up on the show and doing things. But this is one that has infiltrated the air guard. And as I said on TikTok before the show, I wasn't sure if she was going to be able to make it on time. You know, she's now has the cushy life and she's doing all these, you know, the cushy things that come with being in the chair force. But at her heart and at her core, she's still a Marine. So joining us from South Carolina, it's Miss Heather. Bert. Hello. Hi, Heather. Told you, there's no rhyme or reason why I didn't do these introductions. Okay. okay. Well, thank well, you. So, I'm getting feedback. Is that? I'm um, getting no feedback on my. Okay. End. If you're good, then all good. Yep. Okay. I'm not hearing anything. Is it? If you've got, do you have two speakers going or something like that? No. No, we're all good right. now. Sorry about that. That's all right. Look, I'd rather you tell me so we can try to figure it out now. But. So Heather and I are going to be talking. She's got her her website. If you want to check out her website as we're talking here, yield the number two evolve.com. She's also got a new book that's getting ready to come out. She'll let us know when that's coming out about personal evolution. Is it evolution or evolution? I say personal evolution. All right. We'll go with evolution then. The four essential elements for navigating your life. But before we get into all that and we find out what Heather's got going on. Let's go ahead and get some house cleaning done. As always, over my right shoulder, we got the big board for stickering a cause. If you've got something you believe in, something you're supporting, maybe you've written a book recently, you've got your own podcast or band, I don't care what it is. Reach out to me on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter. Uh, I can't say Twitter, YouTube, X, Twitch, Instagram, whatever it is. They're all the above the bar podcasts. Reach out to me. Let me know what you've got going on. I'll let you know how to send me out, out the sticker. We'll let everybody know what you have. It's free for you, a little bit of advertising. Now, the other thing that we got to talk about is our sponsors, though, Heather. And if I'm seeing, it looks like you have uh, faux wood blinds right there next to you. Is that is that what I see, wood blinds? Yes, I, you're correct. But, well, that that's good because our sponsors are Budget Blinds of East Greenbush and Budget Blinds of Hudson and Cooksaki, New York. They are the largest window treatment company in the United States. They handle everything from drapery to uh, shutters, faux wood, real wood, all types of window treatment. And for the month of February, Budget Blinds of East Greenbush and Budget Blinds of Hudson and Cooksaki, New York, are offering buy two, get one free on your window treatments. 
So if you got a whole house you're looking to do and you're looking to save a little bit of money, money, reach out to budget blinds of East Greenbush, budget blinds of Hudson and Cooksaki, buy two, get one free, and let them know you're there to belly up to the bar. All right, Heather, all the house cleaning is done. How's the weather down there in South Carolina? It's actually pretty nice. We've had some good weather. I mean, it, we've had our spill of cold and rain, but not too bad. It was 29 here today. Oh. Do you know how much I miss the Carolinas? But do you miss the sand fleas? I don't miss sand fleas. I'm going to tell you a funny sand flea story. You've already got people popping up. You got Michael Collins saying, I'm so excited for this. I'm going to say somebody who's probably related to you, Summer Burt Davis Davidson. Is that, who's that? Is that mom, yeah. sister? sister? Sister, sister. It's hard. To, I'm not picking on you. I'm not saying you look old. I just can't see. It's a little tiny picture. <laughs> just a little tiny picture. Yeah. Here, before we get too far, I'm going to tell you a funny sand flea story. So graduation, Paris Island. I graduated September 23rd, 1994. Okay. So it was like, and they wouldn't let, let us wear core frames. Our, our senior was like, no core frames for you. We wore the old, what they call broke dicks, wooden sole, leather, polish it up. It got so hot that the polish on our shoes melted and like they were looking dingy. That's how hot it was. But I'll never forget to this day. I was 1994. I had a sand flea bite me on my chin, like Ooh. right along that bone right there. And Heather, it bit me. I'm like third phase recruit. You can't phase me with anything. It bit me and it hurt so bad that I was like, oh, like I, we had a salute and I went, bang. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my whole neck cranked up. It, it was bad. There's Miss Cody. So everybody's starting to pop up here, but I want to kind of get a little bit of, get a little bit about, about your background. Uh, oh, look, Miles is even out there. What's up, Miles? Uh, get a little bit of back, your background. So you were in the Marine Corps from 96 to 2000, correct? Uh, 95 to 99. 95 to 99. See, that's why we double-checked these things. So you did four four years in the Marine Corps then, and you said you were an MP and, and a dog handler. Correct. That means you went to school in uh, Yuma, Arizona. No, it was oh. still at, um, in Alabama. Fort McClellan before it shut down. Oh, okay. I think we were one of the last, we were at the tail end of that. Was that a BRAC base in Fort McClellan? Base probably. <laughs> I know they're closed now. At least that was the last I knew. I That's probably it what it was. That was during the Clinton era. They had the base relocation and closure act. That's yeah. how Tust, how like Tustin got closed for us, for the Marine Corps. Yeah. So you went through there and then you got stationed right back in beautiful paradise island but in but over at the air station i see yes yes that's what that's why they say be careful what you wish for because i remember leaving paris island at, like graduating boot camp and i literally ran off the parade deck to get to the bus to get to the airport thinking i just never want to come back here <laughs> never and I turned around that. and came back oh, what was that like coming back especially as a young marine um gosh I guess, yeah, it was, it was interesting. Fortunately, like, I think there were three other uh, classmates of mine that came with. So I at least had some familiar faces. Um, I don't know, I'm trying to think about, I don't, I don't remember. Like, I remember leaving Paris Island and never wanting to come back. And then when I came back, 
I guess, not that we're here to tell these stories, but when I first came back, I flew in, my classmates all flew into like Savannah, I think. I flew into the Hilton Head Airport. And at that time, like the Hilton Head Airport was nothing. Like it hardly existed. And I had the last flight of the night. I showed up and uh, and everything was shutting down. And I knew I needed, well, I thought I had to be in my alphas to check in. And, and uh, there was a security guard there that's like, well, he's like, I live in the Buford area. I'll give you a ride there if you want to. Because there the taxi service would have been more than what I had on my person for money. And, um, and I just, I remember getting in my alphas and tell, telling them I'll be right out. And we go walking out into this back part of the airport and I'm, and he has this big old van and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm, <laughs> this is it. I'm going to die. <laughs> and, I'm taking a van with a stranger at, in the middle of the night. Yeah. Sounds like a good plan. Yeah. That, and that, that was my introduction coming back. But the interesting thing was, as we got to the gate, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a drive from the Hilton Head airport to the air station in, in uh, Beaufort. And we, uh, we pull up and it didn't even cross my mind at the time, but we pretty much went right through the gate. Like they didn't really question him or anything. They just let us in and he took me to the headquarters building and dropped me off. Knew right where to go, right where to go, huh? He did. And at the time, like it wasn't registering uh, probably for obvious reasons, Right. You know, being a nervous young Marine, not knowing what's going on. And um, turned out he was the master sergeant in charge of crash fire rescue. <laughs> and he like and, was double, he was like just pulling duty, like extra yeah, money or he, something. Yeah, he just had a second job. And we we stayed in contact after that. The first time he came through the gate um, to the flight line, since crash fire rescue is on the flight line, I was like, hey, <laughs> I know so, you. I know. I was very fortunate so yeah, that you definitely lucked out but you know what that kind of feeds into getting into your story and you know because that wasn't the end of your career you then moved on to you know i was picking on you a little bit that's what we do listen folks if you ever hear service members picking on each other stay out of the conversation <laughs> you you can't get involved it's you're not going to understand I've told this story a hundred times. My grandfather used to call me a uh, bellhop in the Marine Corps. Like, cause he said he was in the Navy. He's like, you guys are nothing but bellhops. You carry our bags. And I used to be like, pop, you are driving a big gray taxi. Let's not be <laughs> silly here. And, and you know, that was our relationship and we went back and forth that way. So it was one of those things. So then you go in the air guard, but when does all these things, I mean, we've got the yield to evolve.com. We've got the book, all this, how does, you know, all of your life culminate moving forward into getting into talking about the four elements of evolving and getting into writing a book? How does all this begin? I have to admit, <laughs> while I understand this is an essential part of it, that journey is not, it's it's not always, I don't want to say it's not fun for me to tell people, but it's kind of a mess. Like that from point A to point B was, I wouldn't even call it, it's not, not, it's not just not a straight line. It's like a bunch of different scratched up lines and eraser marks and it's really not pretty. <laughs> but where I've ended up, I don't know. Can you ask a little bit more specific question? Because okay. yeah, we could go all over the place. So, well, let's start with this. In your book, you say, I dedicate this book to my younger self. This is from someone who speaks your same language, 
but hopefully with a little bit more wisdom. Let's yeah. start there. What it, What's that wisdom that you've got that you say, hey, if I had that little bit more wisdom coming forward as you get to this journey, what does that look like? That, that looks like telling, communicating to my younger self, I guess. What I'm saying when I was talking to my younger self is that and the biggest message for Yield to Evolve, all of it, is there's no right way. There's no right way. There's no one, one way. And as crazy it may, as it may sound, you cannot get it wrong. Like for all the things that happen in life and that we do in life, and we're like, that was bad. That was horrible. I messed up. And, and bad things happen. Like terrible things happen. At the end of the day, you cannot get it wrong. You cannot get it wrong because like every time something happens or you mess up all that is is feedback it's feedback and you get the choice to do something better and for some of us it takes a lot of lessons a lot of you know punches to the gut and roundhouse kicks to the head <laughs> before we start to to recognize that there isn't one way i can choose to do it my way it's just getting there so you you begin that journey. You're telling, you're 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 making this story happen. When do you realize then that these elements exist? The these elements of of evolving. When do you realize like, wait a sec, these are a thing. These exist. Um. So the point at which they started to coalesce, I guess, I had been taking. Uh, I had done a ton of certifications, like coaching certifications, classes. I'd done a lot of my own self-improvement things. And what started to come together for me was these were recurring themes. These four things were recurring themes in all of those. And part of it was doing all these trainings and reading all these books and like trying to figure out how do I get it right? What's what's the answer? How do I get it right then it started to be like, it's not about getting it right. Then that whole cliche idea of it's it's about the journey, not the destination, mm -hmm. like that started to become real. And for the longest time, I felt like that's kind of an infuriating, I don't know, because it's cliche. It's like, it's not about the, it's not about the destination, it's the journey, but it does become about the journey when it's, when it's an evolution and you begin to realize that there is no place to get to. Uh, yeah. And, and to be honest, when I, when they did start coming together and I was thinking about writing a book, I thought I need to, I need to put this to a test. And I happened to have a copy of Deepak Chopra's seven spiritual laws of success. And one of the things in my book that I say is there are no rules. And I feel like for a lot of people, that's just like, of course there's rules. How can there not be rules? And so I looked over and I saw the seven spiritual laws of success. And here I am saying there's no rules. Well, when I read, I went, I went back through it and I read it and there's a difference between what I what I think of as evolutionary law and the rules that we, I don't want to say, the rules that we have created probably often based out of evolutionary law, but there's a distinct difference there between an arbitrary rule and a law that governs how evolution unfolds. Am I making any sense? No, you're making sense. So it, what I'm hearing from you, if I'm understanding is, 
you know, we we sometimes say rules are this has to happen like this, whereas for the evolutionary rules, it's more like there has to be pieces to the pie, how they end up getting in there don't necessarily have to match every time. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. And I think like part of it too is something like the law of karma. If, if whether you subscribe to that or not, it's more of a feedback system. And so when he says things like the law of karma or the law of least resistance in, um, in the seven spiritual laws of, of success is, is they aren't so much rules. Like karma is not a rule. It's just saying, Hey, this is how it works. You're going to get feedback. The law of least resistance is if you've ever noticed, like the harder you try to do something, often you end up getting less of a result or not the result you were looking for. Like there's ways that the universe is constantly giving us feedback. And that's very different from saying there's a rule. You know, when I think of, I mean, you can think of any rule. You can think of the culture that you were raised in, your religion, any of that that says this is the one right way to do things. And then what happens when you bump up against one of those rules? You end up realizing that maybe it isn't always the way everybody says it is. Yeah. And, and you can you can make some some changes. No, I, I get that. That makes perfect sense to me. So okay. you you discover. So as you're discovering all these things. With, you know, and you kind of brought it up with your your own upbringing as you're discovering these things, were they counterintuitive to what you have been brought up teaching or you know, for, I don't got a better term where you kind of in a little bit of a hippie household where like, everybody's like, Hey, or was this like, you're out here talking about like, Hey, you know, you can evolve and be free and see what's out there in your world. And your normal support systems, like knock it off air buttercup. Let's get back here, get back in this box. How was it? I have to say, I am probably one of the most fortunate people in the world this is a humongous shout out to the women in my family, especially my mother, um, my grandmother, my mom's mother, um, some of my aunts, my sister. They, I have the most amazing, ah, and that's actually, <laughs> that's my Aunt Janie right there. I have the most amazing family because that is one of the things I think growing up, my mother was so amazing at creating the container for me without trying to control me. And I feel like now as an adult, I realize that's where I really push against. And I feel that like, I feel that when there's too much control, I push against it. And my mother was just absolutely brilliant. I don't know. I don't know. Like she just, I call, I say she's not sticky and I don't know how to describe this other than you meet people that they have an agenda and they're really rigid and things have to be a certain way. And if you say something to them, like there's a lot of uh, energy there and a lot of emotional static. And my mom just wasn't sticky. Like she could roll with things so easily. And so she didn't create that friction that you often have um, between parents and children. And so no, like to answer your question, no, I didn't grow up in a household like that. Yeah, we went to church. Yeah, there was structure. There were expectations. But the coolest part was, was my sister and I are like super opposite. I'm, we're, we're amazingly close, but we're super opposite. But she, my mother, my, my not just my mother, my mother, my stepdad, my stepmom, my step, my, my, my whole family. Um, 
it was just the right context that I think I was allowed to be me. And that set me up really well. As I came into my young adult years, I derailed. I was missing some parts maybe in there, but I had a really good foundation. And I think that's what has allowed me to come full, full circle might be strong. I'm probably haven't quite closed the circle yet, but the loop isn't, the loop isn't done yet. Not yet. No, 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 I got it. So you've said some stuff that I got to get some answers here for that. So, so if you're, so you bucked against what I'm hearing, you kind of bucked against authority. Didn't like, that those things why on god's green earth not only did you join the marine corps you then go and be an mp and then when you're out you go back into another branch of service help me to understand because because to me that's like <laughs> that's like being like man do i hate to draw can i get a pen and a piece of paper like it just doesn't make no yeah, sense a little so bit. help a little me bit. out there. So for one, I don't know if any if if somebody subscribes to this or not. I am a Gemini. There might be something to that. The dual help, help me to understand. The, if Cody's still listening, Cody would be the only person that I know that could explain it to me. So I don't know. You have to explain it. So to me. in astrology, Gemini are the twins. Okay. Castor and Pollux, and so there's kind of like I don't want to say two personalities, but there's kind of like these polarities, and I do feel like I exist kind of within those polarities, and. Now that I'm older, I feel like I understand a little better what, uh, okay, I'm going to start probably sounding like a weirdo to you. <laughs> this is where me, my weirdo is going to come out. Hold on. Let me pause you for a second. And I do hope Cody's listening. At one point in time, we had a guy on who wrote a book about near-death experiences who had never had a near-death experience. And then by the time that episode was over, we were talking about lizard people and was Jesus a lizard person? Like <laughs> okay. it just completely derailed. So, and, and Michael, I know you're throwing some stuff out there, brother. I don't know if you're throwing, uh, putting out like shapes or, or stuff like that, but it's not popping up on this and just an FYI. So I promise you if they're cool, thank you. I just can't see them. So go ahead, <laughs> give it a shot. I'm listening. You're not going to so sound like a weirdo to me. Okay, this is my personal internal experience. Okay, is that there that that it's unlimited? There's, I'm closing my eyes because it's a feeling experience for me. Okay, like it's expansive and it's unlimited, and and I get that again. This is counterintuitive. Like, I don't like the idea of labels. Yes, I'm a yes, I'm a marine, but I'm also an airman, and I'm also very feminine but I keep my hair short and, you know, like, I feel like I live within the, these dualities. And so there's this part of me that's just like out of control, but I kind of like the structure of the military. Cause it's like, it's like the string on a balloon or the string on a kite. It, it creates a structure that allows me to have movement without being too, not out of control. I mean, I've never been like out of control, Okay. But it just gives it it gives a degree of structure to my life that I think makes it feel safe and allows me to have that internal experience of unlimitedness, if that's a word, but still well, being grounded. I will approve it. I will approve it as a word. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. 
great thing. It's my show. I can take any, I can use any word I want to. I'm perfectly fine with it. So, so it's almost like you bucked against that so much it, when you were younger. And you can tell us about that experience that you say you kind of derailed. You bucked against that so much that you went towards it as kind of like, I need to see it and understand it more. Does that make sense? That's the way I, I'm hearing it. Like, like almost like I don't like this. I don't want to deal with this, but I'm going to go to it to understand it more to see if it's it or me. I don't know. Like for as long as I can remember when I was young, my ultimate goal was to go into the FBI. Like that's what I wanted to do was, um, be in the FBI, be in law enforcement. And I thought, okay, I'm going to go into the military. I'm going to get the GI bill and I'm going to go to school and I'm going to have this background. So I'll be a shoe in hopefully to get in the FBI. Well, once I was an MP and got a taste of law enforcement, I was like, wow, I kind of suck at law enforcement. I probably shouldn't do this for the rest of my life. I'm not. And, and my intention behind being in law enforcement was I wanted to help people. Like I wanted to help people, but of course you get into law enforcement and you are helping people. And there's a lot of amazing people in law enforcement out there. And I love, I love that community still, but you're also, you're in a lot of conflict with people and I'm not conflict is not, I don't want to say it's not in my nature, but it's, it's at one of the extremes. It's like, and my, my poor soon to be ex-husband would explain this. It's like, I can push and push. I can get pushed and pushed and pushed, but at a certain point, there's a breaking point and it goes from nothing to flat out ugly, <laughs> like below the belt, no holds barred, ugly. And so it's like, I don't do conflict well. So I kind of stayed to the other end of it. I get it. Now, all those things make, make sense to me. So how does all that for look, watch how I do this. How does that all evolve? See, how I did that. <laughs> I worked it all right in there. How does that all evolve? into you know obviously the website came first uh yield to evolve.com and folks if you're if you're just kind of popping in right now to the live or you're interested and you're you've been listening for a little bit the website if you want to see what heather's got going on is yield the number two evolve.com you can see everything she's got going on there she does have a facebook page also which is uh yield to evolve number two so you can check out th those things that she's got going on but the website came first and then you obviously got into writing the book, but how does, I'm curious, like I said, how does the, the website come to be? Cause in my mind, again, I'm, I'm staying with, I, I've got my back to, you know, gunnery Sergeant Murphy cap one. And I, and one of my Marines comes in and goes, and I know you weren't in the Marine Corps when you created it, obviously, but I mean, I don't think we had much for an internet back then, but you know, <laughs> That really wasn't the thing, but, but, you know, here it is, you know, you're like, you're doing this. How is that reception even within, let's start with that. How's the reception within your command when people hear like, oh, she's got this book and she's got this website and she's telling people how to evolve as a person and, and growth, which can be very counter. I think it's right in line with what we do because that's why we go to boot camp to no longer be who we are to be evolved into a new person. That's why we, we stick around and do the things we do is to evolve it as a person. I see it personally, but I can also see where, you know, 
other people could be like, that's just a bunch of hippie crap. Knock it off. What's the reception been like? Well, I don't, I haven't told you what I do now. And I'm actually in the Air Force Reserves now. Like I said, the, the path there is not a straight line. I'm and actually in the Air Force Reserves. So Air Force Reserve, does that mean you, you have to bring your own bag chair? Is that how that works? Like you have to bring your own? They don't have no, one for you all the, the time. The reserves is part of the federal government, so they provide it for me. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> it's not You're state government. It's You're federal blessed, government. Heather. I love it. Um, actually, though, what I'm doing now in the Air Force Reserves is I'm a, a religious affairs or what would traditionally oh, be nice. called chaplain's assistant. And so, like an RP. What? RP. That was the RP? Navy. So so the Navy, oh. the Navy has RPs. That was the guys that used to walk around with the chaplain because yeah. the chaplain couldn't carry a firearm. The RPs carried it for him. Yep. Precisely. Yep. yep. Nice. And that's what I do now. And, and I have to say, I, I like being in this space. One, my unit is amazing. Amazing. Like I leave my drill weekends exhausted because we're so busy, but for as crazy as it sounds, I, I leave, I leave my drill weekends just in love with my unit. I love my unit. Um, but what it's allowing me to do is actually get to get to serve more in the way that I intended when I originally went in to the Marine Corps as an MP, I wanted to serve that way. But now what I'm, and I'm still working on it. I wouldn't say that I'm just like, like have all the answers for everybody or anything like probably not at all I, it's more almost for my own personal growth still to understand what that's like to show up for somebody when they're in a vulnerable position um yeah so that's that's what i do now it's a little bit different than what i did before so that's everybody's no, kind of okay with it <laughs> no i love it like because what well, you know what honestly that shows growth it really shows a level of growth to go from you know, again, that MP mindset, like you said, it's a rigid mindset of like the rules say here, here, and here. Whereas I'm a pretty faith-based person. I make it to church every Sunday. I listen to my Bible verses every morning. I'm that guy. But a lot of that, you know, is here's what you where you need to get to. How you get to it is your journey. So that makes perfect sense Absolutely. to me. You know, there there's rules. The rule says this is where, where you got to get to. But it's almost like the old phrase in the in the service, commander's intent. I need you to be a good person. I need you to be accepting. I need you to be this. How you achieve that, I don't care. But I need you to be that. Yeah. Is that long? Am I on the right right path? Absolutely. And one of the visuals I like to hold in my head is so often in life, like if, if I were to think, or if I were to create an image of like what God is, this like is the totality of everything. And each of us is an expression of the divine, all, all part of this. And we'll say at the center of that is pure being, pure essence. And we're all these little extensions kind of coming off of that. And somebody over here has makes a connection with the with the divine and they go, oh my gosh, I have it. I have the answer. I found the way. And they're like, they're pointing and saying, this is the way, this is the way. And this person over here is going, oh, so I need to go over here. It doesn't work that way. The way 
the way to the divine is in, is through, is through that personal journey. That's the only way. Because when you start and following somebody else's journey, you're getting off your own path. You can look over there and say, oh, I like what he's doing or what she's doing. How do I apply that in my own life? But so often what the world asks us to do is somebody says, I figured it out. I have the answer. Follow me. This is how you do it right. That's doing it wrong. And the minute we start following that thing that's external to us, we get off our own path and then we start getting lost. Absolutely. And I, I agree with Michael. He just sent, sent you a heart. hundred uh, percent. I'm with that. And, and as you were saying it, the first thing that, that came to mind was, to me was Jesus said, I am the way, mm. I'm the light. So it's nobody else's way. There's only one. He showed you how to do it. That's the way. So I see this. I'm all, see, I'm all in. This is where <laughs> I get all in because I'm definitely, you know, and I'm, I'm always, I was telling someone the other day, I think, I think when I, when I think about like what you're doing in chaplains and I think about my own path, I'm definitely not your typical, like guy with her. Everybody's like, you go to church every Sunday. Yeah. Every Sunday. I don't, well, it, but I also had a chaplain. You'll appreciate this. My first chaplain on deployment was a Catholic chaplain who now this is the rumor mill. You know how that works. You know, how the rumor mill works. Yeah. The rumor always was that, before he became a chaplain in the Navy, and this was in 94, he was a Marine recon in Vietnam. And guys were like, you know that about, I'm like, what? And you could almost buy into it because guys would come up to him and be like, I need to go home. Could you send me home? Could you tell him to, you know, out on deployment? And he'd be like, listen, Marine, where, where's your wife at? Let me. I know somebody out there, but you know what? We got a war to fight. You go ahead and get back here and rack and you'll be all right. Like he would just be like very suck it up, buttercup, get on about your business that I love it. So, I mean, so you, you've definitely added to, you know, a faith-based spiritual life. And I think there's a difference personally. I think there, there, you, there's a difference. You know, you could say, Oh, I live a faith-based life that says, you know, Hey, it's Lenten season. So on Friday, I'm only going to eat fish. I'm not going to eat red meat. I put ashes on my forehead. Or you could be a spiritual life where you're like, I can feel all the energy flowing through me. Look at this. <laughs> like, you, you know what I mean? You know, like, yeah. like, like, thank, it's all of it. But, but you, you have found the best of both worlds. You see it. I, and I actually just had somebody tell me the other day that they were like, God is the energy all around us. That's how every, that's how God can create and do and be. And we can all understand because it's God is that energy that surrounds us and is in us and how we're able to be part of each other's lives. And I love, I love that fact. So, but you know, but God helped you write this book. So let's get into this for a second. So okay. yeah. We have our four elements of evolution. Yes. Okay. Let's make sure in those four elements, what are our four elements? Because I'm trying to scroll and remember. Um, well, um, they're awareness, awareness, forgiveness, vision, and surrender. But I have to honestly say, before any of those, like, I think more than at least half, well, maybe, I don't know, maybe half the book is kind of the lead up into that, talking about adopting an evolutionary mindset. And that's the foundation. And honestly, if somebody wanted to, if they were just like, I'm gonna just adopt an evolutionary mindset and 
you know, the four elements kind of confuse me. I'm not going to use those. That would be fine. That mental switch between thinking there's a right way and a wrong way, or I'm here. I'm not here to get it right. I'm here to grow as a person. And just by looking at life like that, when you start bumping up against things, instead of like coming to judgment and you're going, wait a second, what's here for me? You're going to evolve. The minute you engage that mindset and you disengage from the duality of right and wrong, you start changing. And I feel like, yeah, that's probably a pretty lofty claim, but I feel like it's true. Um, and so then if you're like, okay, well, if there's not a right and wrong, how do I navigate this? If there's not a right and wrong, that's where the four elements of evolution come in. And the idea is, is cultivating awareness, practicing forgiveness, uh, living from a vision and leaning into surrender. And as we practice awareness, um, the idea is uh, to one, to set the intention to create awareness. Cause so often, well, our conditioning puts blinders on us and it's like, this is right. This is how I operate. And we can't see outside of that. So you set the intention to say, I, I'm going to cultivate awareness. And I don't know. I don't know if you had a chance to read all of the book or if you just kind of glanced at it. I, I skimmed it. I ain't gonna lie. That's fine. No, you're fine. Um, because one of the quotes that I reference, and it's not even a formal quote, but I went to a retreat of Dr. Dr. Joe Dispenza's and he said, um, he said, just kind of, he, it was kind of a remark in passing. It wasn't even like one of the main things, but he said, become aware of what you're unaware of. And actually like it totally infuriated me. Cause I'm like, how do you become aware of what you're unaware of? Like that's the most ridiculous thing in the world. But the minute you start asking that, the minute you have that intention, it's like, oh, and you start paying attention and you start dropping into that stuff starts to change. Um, and then you go with with a curious mind. That's the opposite, kind of the opposite of having a judgmental mind. When you're curious, you're, you can still be discerning. You can still make decisions to protect yourself, but you're like, okay, what's here for me? Okay. You're, you're, you set the stage for receptivity when you're curious. And so you have awareness working kind of all the time. And then the idea of forgiveness, tell me when you want me to stop. No, <laughs> go. Um, Get at it. And I have to say, I'm going to give a shout out. I apologize. I don't remember his name. He was your last guest. My, my, la my last guest one here was, well, my yes. last guest was actually a young lady. Or oh. was Michael Sinquist before then? He uh, had the, um, he had the business. He had been in prison. Oh, no, that was, um, oh. I, I, you would say that here. I know who you're talking about. He had uh, nine felons and yes. I know exactly who you're talking about and my brain's not working. Okay. Give, Mine me was Give me half heartbeat and I'll tell you exactly who it was. Uh, not Michelle, uh, not Michael. It was not Paul. Maybe it was uh, Michael W. No, it wasn't Michael W. Allison. Uh, it wasn't Allison. It wasn't Matt Frank. Uh, I Matt, guess Scott I had Allen your Curry. podcast. Scott Allen Curry. Okay. I'm sorry. I must not have been looking at your podcast in order. I thought I was looking at them in order. Um. What? <laughs> Scare you? Oh, oh God. God. Uh, <laughs> um, no, but like I, I was listening to him and I, the thing that's so fun to me is it's like all of these elements, they show up everywhere. They're just kind of framed a little different, but he was talking about that. The whole idea that when he went to prison, he didn't adopt 
What did he say? He didn't adopt like I a am. prisoner mindset. He, he said, I, I am. He said, I would never say that I am a prisoner. I am a felon. He said, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to say I am that, which was huge to me because do you remember what God said to Moses when he asked what God's name was? Do you remember I that? that? I am. That when he, I was 100%, we were on the same page. Cause yes. But he also said, who do you say that I am? Right. He, he is, he is who you say that he is just like well, herself. Yeah. Yeah. It, who am I, who am I claiming to be? And that's the whole idea behind in my mind. That's what forgiveness is. It's an identity crisis. We have an experience in life and we have an emotional response to it. And we begin to identify based on the emotion instead of taking the emotion as feedback and saying, you know, you do something terrible and you feel terrible. And normally we go, oh, I'm terrible. I'm bad. And we claim, we make that statement. I am, I am bad. And that becomes our reality. Forgiveness isn't saying it didn't happen because it did. Forgiveness isn't saying maybe, you know, you need to take some precautions, move away from a bad or dangerous situation. Maybe you have to do some penance for it, spend some time in jail. But forgiveness is saying, who am I? And making that deliberate choice and letting that go, letting that identity, that identity go saying, I did that. I got the feedback. It felt terrible. And in that, the only reason in my, this is my opinion. The only reason you have a bad feeling isn't because you are bad. It's because you're good and you're getting the feedback telling you you're not. Because when you think of a sociopath, they don't have, they don't feel bad when they do something bad. You have an, you have an actual understanding and I'm going to send my niece to come see you. She's in, she's in Savannah. So you know, she, she's in Savannah. She can come, you guys. And, and she, she has a very, well, I'll explain it to you later. I can't, I love her. She's good people. She's got a lot. <laughs> she, I love her when she comes up and visits us. So, so, all right. So that's the cultivating the awareness and practicing the forgiveness. Now living from a vision. Mm -hmm. That's where you're headed. The forgiveness is letting go of an identity that's not serving you. And your vision is where am I going? Okay. So, so say it again. Say that again. So say forgiveness, forgiveness is letting go of an identity that's not serving you. Okay. And your vision is shooting your azimuth, taking your compass, shooting your azimuth and saying, this is the direction I want to go. That's where I was. It didn't work. This is the direction I want to go. And there's two parts to vision. There's the material world part. I want to have the car. I want to have the spouse. I want to have, um, I wish I could tell you what page it's on, but you might be able to find it quickly. There's in yeah. early on in it. It's, it's in the front part of it. Give me a word. Um, what word am I looking for? Front site post. Front site post. Uh, here we go. Here we are. So, uh, when using open sights, yep, I remember reading this. Uh, is the front sight post at the end of the barrel, the projectile exit? The front sight post is where you place your focus, making the small post as clear as your eyes will allow you, centering it along the rear sight. You know what's funny? As I read this, it made so much sense to me. Focus on what's in front of you and dealing with what's in front of you you will eventually reach your goal. That's the way I took it. And that that is that is a big part of it. I don't know if that's exactly how I meant it, but yes, that's correct. I maintain the way I the way I'm 
presenting it is the idea that the material world that we're aiming at, the car, the spouse, the house, whatever, the degree, all the money, that's all the target. That's all the physical world. When you aim, when you're actually aiming at a target, and maybe you remember this from marksmanship training, if you're aiming and your focus is on the target, you hit all around it. You, yes. you chase the target. You hit all around it. When your front sight post is clear, you, you're more likely to hit a bullseye depending on your other marksmanship skills. But that front sight post is you. That's the part of you that's saying, who am I? The wealthy person is wealthy because, because they have a wealth mindset. You hear about people winning the lottery and they, they lose it all because that's not who they are. And so you aim at the target. The target is back there. I want all of those things. But then you have to start thinking in terms of, well, who's the person that lives that life? And then you start filling in that gap. You bring awareness in and you fill in that gap between forgiving an identity that's not serving you and moving towards an identity that's working for you. And you become that front sight post. You're the pivot point between where you are and where you're going. It's you. No, that makes that makes perfect sense to me. And folks, we're get, we're getting pretty close here. We're going to be closing the yeah. bar up soon. So I want to definitely keep moving through this. But that made perfect sense. So I, I see, I did read that. See, I read that part. I knew that. I'm part. sure you saw the image and were like, hey. <laughs> I know exactly what that is. Anybody got any sight black? Mine, that good. Who's got, a, who's got the pot? Who's got the pot with all the smoke? Uh, oh, my, my, my niece wants to know, where can, where can I buy this book? I'd like at least two. Amazon. There it's on go. Amazon. And again, if you're wondering what the title of the book is, folks, the title of the book is Personal Evolution, Four Essential Elements for Navigating Your Life. And it's got a very nifty uh, kind of like a Volkswagen bug kind of thing going on. The hippy dippy part. That's the, the hippy dippy bus. And it's Heather M. Burt. Yes. Is uh is the see I could see Ailey, I could definitely see you reading this. This is this is right up your alley. Um I tried teaching her how to play like my favorite board game, which is uh cash flow. It's a whole nother thing. Uh -huh. uh, it's like, oh, it's Robert Kiyosaki. You'll know Robert he was he wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He was a Marine. Oh. Yeah, Robert Kiyosaki. I okay. I know you that know I know Dad. that title. So so now we're getting into and folks, look, again, we're just hitting the wave tops of these ideas. We're not digging into really understanding and, and acknowledging all this. So so now it's it's about surrendering your the, the learn leaning Lean into in. surrender. I almost said surrendering your life, leaning into surrender. What does that mean? So the idea behind leaning into surrender is the fact that we can't control everything. We simply don't have control of everything. Other people are doing other things. We're going to bump into them, you know life, it happens. I had a lot of difficulty initially around the idea of surrender. Like I even read um, uh, Michael Singer's surrender experience, surrender experiment. And it just like, it didn't set well, because it felt a lot like the way I was interpreting it at the time felt like giving up. But I think the trick to surrender, at least for me, is it's not about giving up. It's about being present with what is and just saying, okay, this is what is because so often we like, waste our energy railing against what we don't want and sorry my brain just kind I'm of glitched thinking. Railing, railing against the things we don't want yeah but i'm only, the only reason my brain glitched is because it's i was thinking yeah i was doing that just the other day <laughs> i still well, do all of this stuff well that's the whole thing but you know what you bring up a great point a lot of people think that 
oh, well, well, she wrote a book and she has a website. She has it all figured out. No, you have a blueprint and an understanding that you're willing to share and provide to other people. But it, it's a work in progress. We're all a work in progress. There is no like, well, got to the end. I've got this figured out. No, that's when you're dead. That's, <laughs> yes. that's when you're dead. There's like, hey, I guess that I don't get to make any more changes to this element. It's I love this path in this pathway. Where are some of the places that other than obviously I would think that in your day to day when you're in at your, you know, your reserve weekends and things like that, you're trying to present this to some folks. Where else are you presenting this to folks and what has the reception been? Well, I have to admit the reason I wrote a book is because I actually don't do that well just talking. Like I haven't created a, a talking structure that well. Like the book is is the message. And the other part of that is the book to me, it's not the answer for anyone. I feel like what I would love to see, I now that the book has been published is actually available. I'm going to reach back out to some of the coaching communities that I'm in because I'd rather see coaches using the framework because this is what I would tell somebody is it's like, this is just a framework. This is not an answer. So if you can kind of hold this loosely in one hand and then use that vision part, what is it that you want to do? It does not matter what it is. It doesn't have to be spiritual growth. You can say, I want to do Muay Thai. I want to paint houses. I want to, whatever it is you want to do. It doesn't even have to be spiritual. You take that thing and start doing it. And you bring in the idea of, an evolutionary mindset and using the four elements if you need to. And that's what you do. It doesn't matter what you do. It literally doesn't matter what you do. If you need a framework other than getting it right, getting it wrong, here's a framework for that. Um, I do, I have a couple other people that I intend to connect with to share about the four elements. And I, and I will, if I can, if I can, entice them into a conversation like this, then I will definitely be sharing that. I don't know. Okay, I now, Who is it? Who are we trying to entice? Tell mm. us now. <laughs> tell us now. And look, I don't have a huge monstrous like Joe Rogan audience, but they're big enough yeah. that they'll send them messages. We'll see if we can send some messages. Okay. Who we want to talk to? We'll see. Um, well, one of them is Dr. Rao with the Rao Institute. Um, okay. uh, Shri Dr. Shrikumar Rao. Uh, I don't know if you would, if anybody would know him. I think he's a brilliant man, and I love the work that he does. And I would right. love to introduce this to him Dr. as something Rao. that he could use. R A W L. Um, no, R A R A O, and it's S R I K U M A R. Dr. Shrikumar Rao. Um, but then there's actually also. Richard Rudd, who wrote the Gene Keys. I don't know, that's uh, kind of, it's not human design, it's different than human design, but he he wrote the book on the Gene Keys. And there's a lot, I don't wanna say there's a lot of similarities, like the Gene Keys is huge. Like if somebody were to say like, how do I figure life out? Somebody could say, read the Gene Keys. But if you're not into the Gene Keys, it's not gonna do you any good. That's why it's important to pick what entices you. Now, Gene, okay. is that similar to uh, what's the one I recently learned about? Um, gosh, I forgot the, the term um, where we're all actually wired that if we're around 
people of a certain nature. You could have nothing like you could not like basketball and know nothing about basketball. But if I set you down and you spent nothing but time around basketball players, you will uh something neurons. They're um mirrored neurons. Oh, mirror. No, actually I I will do my best to explain this. I am not somebody, I'm just reading the Gene Keys books. I do want to say thanks, Shane. Um, he was just up there on your screen. He said he's going to oh use the four. That Shane four Michael, Michael Collins? Yes. Oh, so Shane. you're also Shane. Yes. Shane Michael Collins? Like, yes. We're, we're going to go full on Irish like Sean Patrick Murphy. Yeah, he Shane is. Michael Collins. There's Patrick. There's one of my mentors. Yes. Okay. See, he, he's, so I need he, to Google? So Patrick uh, was just on last week, and we were talking about um, when Patrick was on, gosh, um, servant leadership. Oh, mm -hmm. I'm going to have, I'm going to, he's going to be one. I'm going to have to Google. Yep. We were talking about servant leadership. Patrick would love to talk to you about those things. He is um, amazing. That's kind of an Irish name too, isn't it? Oh yeah. He's another one. Pat Patrick, <laughs> Michael Donahue. Listen, Shane, Michael Collins, Patrick, Michael Donahue. We're like a bottle of Telemar do and, uh, you know, a soccer game from, you know, all of us being in trouble and you know, we're just getting right into it. You know, we're all there, but now, so I want to kind of, you know, cause we're getting close to the end. Yeah. We, there's all these people you want, you want to communicate with. I would love to, to do what I can to, to connect you to my audience. If you know how to connect any of those people, just send her, just send a copy of, of Heather's book, go get it on Amazon, go download it, do everything you got to go. There's my, my aunt. And Eileen, um, and Eileen, I gotta tell you something. The second batch was way better than the first. Well, look, she understands. Let's see, that's um, an inside. That's she understands completely. Wait till I do the third one. Um, I doubled the first one. I'm gonna double the second one from the. You'll. She understands. But um, is <laughs> the thing, the thing when you fully retire, you'll understand completely. Rust. Now I'm intrigued. I'll tell you after the show, um, but moving as you're moving forward in this journey, there's those people. What is your, you know, and, and we all have to have some kind of a goal. That's how our brains work. Even if, once you achieve that goal, that for, next goal helps you to set up the plans for the next goal. After that, what is our, what is our first goal with the, with the book and with the yield to evolve.com. And again, folks, that's yield with the number two evolve.com. What's our next goal with that, all that? I'm sorry. I'm going to, I'm going to blow that out of the water because there's no goal. None. <laughs> it's what you want. What like, do you want though? Oh, what do I want? Yes. You. What do, oh, what do I want? Oh, it's big. I want, I want a free humanity. That's what I want. Well, that sounds really deep. That was very deep. A free human. I, I don't know what that means. But Michael, Shane Michael Collins would like to know, is there a link for the book we can use on LinkedIn? Hmm. You I not, will, you're not on LinkedIn. I I am. I couldn't find you. I am. Um, I am. I'll connect with you. I know where you are on LinkedIn. I think I'm following you on LinkedIn. So I'll find you. Look, you even got a gold heart for my niece. So now I don't know real quick here because we have to do something that is very important. 
Nate's not here. Nate normally, I mean, we figured it out. This is episode 223. I don't know where Nate's at. Him and I will have to have a conversation. If Nate was here, he would ask you about a favorite in meals. And he does this to every single one of us who have ever served. Nate never served. So I'm going to ask Nate's question for him, which is, what is your favorite MRE and uh, why? Come on. We all got a favorite. Uh, really? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Be- How about, can I opt for a bag nasty instead? Range bag nasty or fast line bag nasty? Range bag. Range bags are great because you got the eggs in there and everything. But you have no business. I just there was a sandwich that I could actually eat. But you didn't have a favorite MRE like, like for me it was uh beef. I loved beef stew, especially if I could trade for jalapeno cheese, and and uh, somebody's crackers and heat that thing up, and then mix it all together with the pa- Tabasco. Come on now, I would I eat that. I suppose there were things out of it that I would eat, like the scalloped potatoes were usually pretty good. I could eat the scalloped potatoes out of them. Uh, Four fingers. <laughs> it's a of big yeah. How about the four fingers of death? The Frankfurters? Do you ever have those? Actually, I don't know that I did. Like, because that sounds kind of gross. And the eggs were really disgusting. Like, oh. I think there was an omelet or something. Yes. That was you. That was the first MRE ever handed to me. Was omelet with ham. <gasps> like, at, you are. See, we had the original dark brown bags long before these ones today that have heaters in them and they're ready to go. We had that dark nasty nasty brown brown bag that was like mm, this is mm, <laughs> this is rough no i'm i'm with you so there wasn't like well then I, you know there wasn't like a hey you know at least like, there were a couple of pasta ones that were okay i'm mostly i remember the the scallop potatoes of because like even the crackers and cheese i know people love those Oh, that was peanut. The peanut. I think there was peanut butter sometimes in them. I eat the yes. peanut butter. Well, yeah, I, I told do peanut butter. I, I bet my children because I have MRE still here at the house. I bet my children all the time. Like, I'll give you both of these crackers if you can eat both of these crackers without Not water. any water. <laughs> <laughs> you got two minutes, kid, and they're like, "I could do it." I'm like, "Sure, you could." Never been done. <laughs> Like just straight up, like having shellac, just like eating straight up wall putty. Ugh. So yeah, well, here we go. Much. Oh, it's gross. It's absolutely <laughs> good. Well, look, folks, again, I'm gonna say it one more time. Check out what Heather's got going on at Heather at that uh, at yield to evolve.com. Check out, out her, her book. It's on Amazon. Check out everything she's got going on. Uh is there any audible versions of the book? Just curious. Not yet. Nope. Not yet. That's good for Not. people like me. Um, but the book again is personal evolution Four essential elements for navigating your life. Uh, my niece says I only had the Brown or dark green MRE. I had no favorites. I had to eat them. Not in the military though. I can <laughs> only imagine sweetheart. I know your dad who her dad makes like the, like what some of the best soups I've ever had. But one other thing here, folks, look, if you're finding me through Heather or Heather through me, it's going to sound cliche, but go, go to yield, yield to evolve, give it a like, give it a share, go find it on, on uh, Facebook, make sure everybody knows about it. That's how Heather's message get 
gets out and grows. If you're finding me through Heather, well, guess what? It's the same thing over here. Taking the time, like, what? There's five seconds, but I want to say, even if we you don't want my page. This is my show. Oh. I can do whatever I want. Oh, okay. I was just going to say, even if you don't like my page, if you start doing these things and you start evolving, that's the whole thing. Be the change you wish to say in the, see in the world. And the more people who start doing that, that's where change happens. You can like my page. That's That would be great and fantastic. And I would love that. But if you start to change, the world starts to change because we can't separate ourselves from the world. We keep pointing to the world and asking it to change, but it can't change until we change. So there... Look, I love it. We're good. And, and remember, it's my show. I can do whatever I want to do. Okay. We can stay a couple extra minutes. No one's going to kick me off, I promise. Okay. But, but but again, folks, making sure you're doing that, taking a moment, going on to my Facebook, going on to her Facebook, liking, sharing, going into uh, giving a, a five-star rating on any of these things. I know it sounds cliche. I know your kids are watching all these videos and Cocomelon and everything else. And they're like, like, share, subscribe. But guess what? They figured it out. We all got to figure it out. That's how th that's how this works. Uh, Summer says, "Loved this." Uh, Shane Shane says, "Excellent presentation. I loved it. I will be following your podcast. Thank you, thank you, Heather, for an amazing time." Shane Michael, thank you so much. And then again from your sister, sounds like the four elements can be used for anything. That's what I'm seeing it as. And again, folks, if this is your first time, every Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can always find us here. Next week, we have Sammy Bennett on. Uh, we're going to be talking about her book called The Upside Down Forest, Fables on Trauma Recovery. So mm -hmm. that should be pretty interesting. So we're going to be talking about that. Now, again, we don't log off on me here, Heather. We got to talk for a moment after the show. But as a, as you should know, you've I know you told me you binged all 222 episodes uh, and Janan, it says a beautiful interview. I, I love your closing remarks. We got one more remark, so stay with us. So I know you 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 binged all 222 episodes. It was so much. It was confusing to you. It was just so much content. I understand that. But you should know at the end of every episode, the guest always gets the final word. So what's our final word tonight, Heather? Just one. Whatever you want it to be. It can be whatever you need it to be. What's your final word? Evolve. Alrighty, folks, be sure to push your stool in. This has been a Second Front podcast presentation found on Apple, Spotify, and wherever podcasts can be found. 